Well, I have the honor of introducing our special speaker today, Pastor Jay Jellison. Jay and Judy have served for a combined 12 years in pastoral ministry. During this time, they have suffered through a 10-year period of darkness and deception. In 2012, Jay was uh, awakened by the Spirit of God through dreams and vision. Through the grace and the mercy of the living God, Jay was set free and baptized in the Holy Spirit and with fire. Judy follows its shoulder thereafter also by the grace of God. Since then, Jay and Judy have been passionately giving away what the Father has deposited in them. Their desire is to fulfill the grace commission recorded in Matthew 28 and Mark 16 and has led them to partner with the hungry and thirsty for the kingdom of God to bring salvation, to bring healing, and to bring deliverance. Jay and Judy have five children and five grandchildren. And I just want to say personally that Jay and Judy have meant so much to me. They have meant so much to my wife. And they have meant so much to those who I've been a part of their ministry. I am so blessed that they were here for our first Encounter God weekend. And I am so excited to hear what God has spoken into your hearts for uh, uh, us today. So let's all show the honor and the respect that he, um, as he comes to share the word with us, Pastor Jay Jellison. Amen. Praise the Lord. Thank you. Thank you. Amen. Hallelujah. Jesus is here. Come on. Isn't this awesome? I just love this. I heard this morning I had 35 minutes to preach, and I was scared immediately. I thought, how in the world can I preach in 35 minutes? We were, two weeks ago, we were in Arkansas, and the Sunday morning service went four and a half hours long. And in that four and a half hour time, a young man that is in his upper 20s married with two young children who's on full disability because he has varicose veins that are so bad in his legs, open wounds and sores that won't heal, he can't work. During the service, he proclaimed that he felt the presence of God like marbles that rerouted and reconstructed his veins. His legs have been totally healed. He's able to go back to work. He's actually going to go to college. Praise the name of the Lord. Hallelujah. God is so good. He's so good. And so I felt led by the Spirit this morning. He told his disciples, when you go, come on, we need to proclaim that the kingdom of heaven is at hand. It's here. He's here. He's here this morning, and I don't want to waste any opportunity in his presence. So if you're here this morning and you have a sickness or a weakness in your body, I want you to stand up right where you are. I believe with a whole heart that Jesus wants to heal. He wants to heal. We see it everywhere we go. That's who he is. Come on, it's who he is. And so if you believe, if you believe, would you gather around quickly those that are standing and put your hands on them? Everything that we do is all about the body. Come on. It's all about the body. Jesus equips the body to minister to the body. Ask them quickly, what do you need Jesus to do for you? Now listen, here's instructions. Very short, 
prayers of faith, declarations of healing. Right now, right now, start right now over them. Pray over them. Release healing. Release healing. Jesus, thank you right now that you're releasing healing throughout this house right now. I just command all pain and physical discomfort to leave. You have no authority. You have no authority. It's illegal for you to be in our bodies. So I command you to be gone right now in Jesus' name. I also command, I also command arthritis and inflammation of joints in knees, ankles, hips, shoulders, elbows, hands, and fingers. Right now in the name of Jesus, I command you to leave. You have no authority to be here. All sickness and all weakness in these bodies, I command you to be gone. Now, I command every deaf ear, every deaf ear to be opened right now in Jesus' name. Every deaf ear, every ear that has impaired hearing right now, I command you to be restored right now to full hearing in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. I command fibromyalgia in Jesus' name. You have no authority to remain. You have to leave. Nerve pain, nerve disease, you have to leave. MS. Right now, I command you in Jesus' name, you go right now. You go right now. Parkinson's disease, you have to leave right now in the name of Jesus. Lord, I pray that you would release supernatural healing into every person that's standing today. Meet them where they are. You are the great I am, and we bless you for this, Jesus. This is so good. Come on. Hallelujah. Amen. Give the Lord a hand. Give the Lord a hand. Hallelujah. Come on. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Remember, he said in, in, in Mark 16, verse 18, that one of these signs, would, these signs would accompany those who believe. They would lay hands on the sick, and they would recover, right? Come on. A lot of times, we let go of the healing because we, what we want is a miracle, and sometimes God wants to walk with us through the process of healing so that we can learn to keep the seed of God's Word in the soil of our heart long-term. He wants to train us and teach us and coach us to walk with Him. He's so good. Hallelujah. There's the clock. It scares me. <laughs> I want to I share just quickly this morning. The Lord laid on my heart in December. We were headed from, we just finished a revival in Edmond, Oklahoma, and we were headed back near Kansas City to stay for a few days before we headed out again. And on the way back, the Holy Spirit began to speak to me in the car, and he dropped these words into my heart. He said this, and it, it, it took me off, uh, off guard at first. It caught me off guard, but, but as I began to listen and wait upon the Lord as I was driving down the highway. He began to make it very clear what he was trying to speak into my heart. Here's the words. Intimate vulnerability within the context of authentic community. Intimate vulnerability within the context of authentic community. You can't say it with a dry mouth. It won't work. Intimate vulnerability. See, I can't really say it. Within the context of authentic community. And I asked the Holy Spirit. I, I said, Holy Spirit, I understand authentic community. You've shown us in your word. And so this morning as we start, I want to I show us what I believe is a dream of God in His Word regarding authentic community. So go with me, if you would, just quickly to Acts chapter 1. Acts chapter 1. Incredible story. Oh, my goodness. Jesus is about to ascend to the Father. He releases this incredible uh, invitation to His apostles that would believe. In verse 8, you guys know this. He says, he says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. You shall be my witnesses in both in Jerusalem and in all of Judea and Samaria and even to the remotest part of the earth. Come on. And then all of a sudden, and we recognize the last thing that Jesus said was Matthew 28, this great commission before he floated into the sky. But he floats into the sky. His, his disciples, his apostles see this. The onlookers get to see this incredible spectacle of Jesus ascending to the right hand of the Father which is incredible for us. He said it was actually better for him to go away, right? 
than for him to remain so that the Father could pour out the Spirit. Hallelujah. If the devil would have known that he would have to deal now with billions of Spirit-filled believers on the earth, they would have never crucified my Lord, I guarantee you. Hallelujah. Look what happens. Verse 12. Then they returned to Jerusalem from the mount called Olivet, which is near Jerusalem, a Sabbath day's journey away. It, it, it talks about this reality of them entering in to this upper room. I don't have time to go into that. Drop down to verse 14. These all, with one mind, were continually devoting themselves to prayer, along with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus. Now, I want you to get a couple of things here. These all with one mind. I believe it would take a miracle of God for the church to experience the ability to walk with one mind. Do you agree? One mind. Think about this for a minute. Oh, my goodness. That would be a miracle, wouldn't it? For all of us to agree on anything, it would be a miracle of God. But I believe he is the miracle-working God. He wants to do things that we, that we think is impossible. Jesus actually said in Matthew 17 that if we would believe all things are possible. Come on. I believe without a doubt that Jesus can heal every disease in this room. I believe without a doubt Jesus can set every person free in this room so that we can walk and carry this glorious rescue of Jesus on the earth and release it to anybody that's in need. Anybody that's in need. If we would dare believe. Praise his holy name. Check this out. I I just wrote this in my Bible. It says that they were devoting themselves to prayer. Now look at this word devoted. Here's what it means. Consistently showed strength in spite of all difficulties. They consistently showed strength in spite of any and all difficulties to come to gather together in prayer. Now when I preach on prayer, which I'm not this morning, but when I do preach on prayer, here's my definition of prayer. I believe prayer is a listening Prayer is a listening. It's a time of listening to the voice of God. Jesus, he he only did what he saw the Father do. He only said what he heard the Father say. Isaiah 50 verses 4 and 5 said that Jesus had a tongue that was trained, a tongue of a disciple. He said that the, the Father would awaken him morning by morning and train his ear to hear what the Father was saying. And the Father spoke to Jesus through the Holy Spirit, just as he does you and I today. Prayer, prayer, one of the most powerful things that you and I as believers get to do. We get to be a part of actually listening to the voice of Abba. Come on. Why would we ever not want to be involved in corporate prayer? We've not even tapped into the the resource of power until we begin to fall on our knees and cry out and devote ourselves no matter what happens, no matter what game's on TV, no matter how we're feeling physically in our body. Come on. No matter how the weather is outside, if we can gather in prayer, you and I, as a New Testament believer, if we're going to follow the Word of God... The reality is we must devote ourselves to prayer. I wish I had an hour and a half this morning because I would tell you miracle after miracle that took place when Jesus rescued me and I found out that Wednesday night was the greatest service in our church. When I found, listen, when I, listen, and I didn't go there because it was the greatest service that was already ongoing. I went there carrying the rescue of God, walking in obedience to the Lord and humility. And I carried the rescue into that Wednesday night prayer, even though I was brand new. And God began to release his rescue through my life into every person. And before you know it, a meeting that went for 17 years that was only four and five people, all of a sudden it was 12, then it was 13, then it was 15, then it was in his 20s. And it just, God just skyrocketed because That was the place where we were encountered by God. Prayer. They devoted themselves to prayer. It is, it's, listen, it's not our idea. It's his idea. Okay, go with me. We've got to hurry. Go to me, 1 Corinthians 
1 Corinthians 1. Check this out. Verse 10. He says, Now I exhort you, brethren, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that you all agree. Oh, my, there it is again. One mind. <laughs> it almost seems like a pie in the sky. But it must not be, or he wouldn't have put it in the book. He says, now I exhort you, brethren, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that you all agree. What does that mean? He actually is trying to tell us that he wants us to speak the same thing. Speak the same thing. What's he talking about? We're going to get to that in a few moments. And that there be no divisions among you. Divisions? That's for you and I in the local body to think and speak differently. Are you with me? We got that down. Think about it. We just do. We all have an opinion, right? Come on. Think about it. We all read Scripture sometimes from different lenses, from a different viewpoint, and we get different understandings. But the reality is if we... Listen, I believe this in my whole heart because I've only been trained by the Holy Spirit. I'm just telling you that. I've only been... I sat at home and allowed the truth of God's Word to permeate me until I agreed with His mind. The Word says in 1 John chapter 2, 25 and following that the we, man needs no one to teach him. The Holy Spirit, the anointing that you and I have been given is the one who teaches us. And he will lead us and guide us into all truth. Now, do we need to submit to the teachers, the authorities, the pastors, evangelists, apostles, prophets? Absolutely, because they're gifts. God has given them to the church, the body of Christ, as gifts. And we must submit. But I believe this, brothers and sisters. When somebody's standing up here proclaiming the truth of God, it's, listen to this, a, a, rhema, rhema, a rhema word, a brand new revelation from Jesus shouldn't come for seasoned Christians from the one that's standing behind the pulpit. When, when, when a person up here is proclaiming the truth, it should do nothing more than affirm and cheer on what you've already been taught by the Holy Spirit in the private place of your own home. Hallelujah. Are you with me? We should, that's why the church should say Amen. When somebody's preaching, the church should say amen because this isn't the first time we've heard this. We've heard this over and over and over again as I've spent time with my Savior Jesus and His Holy Spirit and I just receive life. I just receive life. Why? So that I can be one who gives that life away. Isn't, isn't He good? I love you all. Look at, it, look at it again. That there be no divisions among you, but that you be made complete in the same mind, and in the same judgment. Now, go back with me to Acts chapter 2. You guys are very familiar with this passage of Scripture. And I, I would submit that when I was a pastor years earlier, back in the 90s, Acts chapter 2 was taught about and thought about as though it was a, a church strategy to grow your church. And it was never designed to be a, a strategy to actually grow your church. It's the results of many individuals that make up the corporate body, having day-by-day, moment-by-moment encounters with the living God, just as we have this morning in this worship time. Oh, my goodness, wasn't this good? Hallelujah. My wife leaned over and she said, we can go home now. <laughs> look, look at this. Look at this. Verse 41. 2, verse 41. So then those who had received his word were baptized, and that day there were added about 3,000 souls. They were continually devoting themselves to the apostles' teaching. Now, I want you to get this. They didn't devote themselves because to the Word. They didn't have this new Word. They devoted themselves to the Word, who is Jesus, right? Come on. They devoted themselves, listen to this, to the testimony of Jesus. They devoted themselves to prayer 
And they devoted themselves to the testimony of Jesus. Revelation 19.10 says this. It's the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. When you and I devote ourselves to what Jesus has done prior to the cross, then the cross, his, his, his death and burial, his, his, his resurrection and his ascension, now what he's ongoing and doing right now in the midst of the body of Christ through you and me, and then what he promised to take place in the future. He said the church gathered, the church, early church, first church Jerusalem gathered around the apostles' teaching. Once again, the testimony of Jesus. Listen to this. I believe without a doubt the only way, the Bible says this in Revelation 12, 11, we overcome him, the devil, by the blood of the lamb and the word of our testimony. And our testimony, our testimony is actually the, the activity of God's kingdom, both present earlier, both now present tense, and in the future of what Jesus Christ is actually doing, what we've laid a hold of, what we're trusting him for. Listen, as we go across the nation and preaching the gospel, I'll ask people for testimonies, and, and it's, it's hard to get people to give testimonies in so many churches. I'm not saying here, but in so many churches, and when people start to give testimonies, much of the time, the testimonies that begin are testimonies that are 30 years old, testimonies of what Jesus did 30 years earlier or back when we had the glory. But you and I should gather with a fresh testimony of what Jesus Christ is doing right now in our midst. The reason, the reason this is so important is because, once again, Revelation 19.10, when you and I proclaim the activity of God's kingdom in our life, we actually sow into the environment the ability for someone else to latch on to that testimony and allow the supernatural presence of God to infuse them, empower them, give them life, release healing, release finances, whatever it is they need. He is the the great I am. He said, I'll be whatever you need me to be at any moment that you need me to be that if you'll just simply trust me. Are you with me this morning? I'm just having a blast. Look at this. Come on. They devoted themselves not only to the testimony of Jesus and to fellowship, the breaking of bread and to prayer. Look at verse 43. Everyone kept feeling a sense of awe and many wonders and signs were taking place through the apostles. Why? They were so aware of the activity of Jesus. Listen, listen to this. If I was to sit in a room, my wife and I, individually with every person in this room, the reality is the enemy has been able to trick the church into focusing on the miseries that accompany evil more than the presence and the power of the risen Jesus Christ. And, and the word says, Jesus taught in Luke eleven thirty four and following, the eye is the lamp of the body. If your eye is single, come on, focus just on him who is righteousness, your whole body would be full of light. That word light, it means a place that's been inbirthed by the power of God. The Holy Spirit has inbirthed truth, and we are living in the revelation of who Jesus is. That means we're constantly aware of the testimony of Jesus in our lives. But the reality is most of us, come on, most of us, the Bible says, but, but he says this, but if your eye is bad, Luke eleven thirty four 34 and following, if your eye is bad, meaning this, not focused on the devil, but focused on the miseries that accompany evil, divorce, come on, problems with our government, problems in our cities, the church, financial issues, physical issues, our kids are, you know, they, 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 they've gone off and done the wrong thing. Our marriages, if the devil can get our focus off of the testimony of Jesus and get our mind onto the miseries that accompany evil, Jesus said, how great is that darkness inside of us? 
That darkness is great enough, brothers and sisters, to derail the mission of God on the earth through us. It's strong enough to derail the mission of God on earth through you and me. Now, we recognize in Isaiah, Isaiah says, of the increase of his government, there shall be no end. But we recognize in many of our churches, it's not this way. It's getting smaller and smaller and smaller. Why? I think it's because the enemy has tricked us to get our mind off the activity of the kingdom and the king and getting our minds on the worries and the problems that we face every day in our life. Come on, we have to devote ourselves to prayer, to listening, and to focusing on the teachings of Jesus Christ and the activity of his kingdom moment by moment by moment if we're going to actually carry the rescue of God. Okay, I'm almost done. They, all those who had uh, believed were together and had all things in common, and they began selling their property and possessions and were sharing them with all as anyone might have need. Now listen to this. The reality, you guys are so gener- generous. I heard that this morning. I was just, that blessed my heart. Hallelujah. Thank you for your generosity. That reveals your heart. Oh, that's so beautiful. So beautiful. So beautiful. When you and I have really been encountered by God, the reality is self-preservation Taking care of our own, protecting our own, storing up our own is no longer part of our reality. We can't wait to give away what Jesus Christ has given to us because we're we're so aware of what the Spirit is saying that He wants to lead us to the people that need to receive God's grace, God's mercy, God's forgiveness, God's financial blessing. He wants to use us to carry His rescue. So that's what it looks like. That's God's dream for authentic community. That's what he wants us to look like. He wants us to to think the same thing and speak the same thing. Not about the color of the curtains on on the windows. Not about the color of the carpet. Not the pews or chairs or the style of worship. None of that even matters in the end. Are you with me in that? None of that will even matter. He wants us to think and speak the same thing regarding the testimony of Jesus. And you and I can do that. You and I can do that by the power of God because there's only one salvation and that salvation has the power of God to rescue a man or a woman who was once blind and allows them to now see. Come on. He can rescue rescue someone who was once physically crippled and actually heal them and make them whole so that they can begin walking in a journey with him step by step, allowing Jesus to be the one who guides them by his Holy Spirit. Go with me now. I want you to go with me now over to John 13. Is that clock right? Do we get started late? Okay, we, I'm almost done. Check this out. Check this out. I, I, asked, so I understood authentic community. The Lord had given me those two words about a year and a half earlier. But when he dropped into my understanding intimate vulnerability, I was, I was beside myself. I didn't understand what he was trying to tell me. I just didn't, I didn't get it. And I shared this with my wife as we were driving down the highway. And the first thing she said was, Jay, intimate vulnerability, that sounds like exposure to me. That sounds like somebody standing naked and everybody sees them. And so I started asking the Holy Spirit, what does this look like, God? What does it look like for us, the body of Christ, to actually live in intimate vulnerability? And the Holy Spirit said, Jay, it looks exactly like John chapter 13. So go with me there, and let's just read a few uh, verses, and then we're going we're gonna to wrap this up. Check this out, verse 1. Now before the feast of the Passover, Jesus, knowing that his hour had come, that he would depart out of this world to the Father, having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. 
During supper, the devil, having already put into the heart of Judas Iscariot, the son of Simon, to betray him, Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands and that he had come forth from God and was going back to God, got up from supper and laid aside his garments. And taking a towel, Jesus girded himself. Then he poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with the towel with which he was girded. Now, I don't know how you see this, but, but I recognize this as a moment of intimate vulnerability for Jesus, their master, their Lord, to take off his outer garments, to expose himself, to wrap himself with a towel, to begin to wash their feet and then wipe their feet with the same towel that is wrapped around his midsection. To me, that's, that's pretty intimate and that's pretty vulnerable. Now, look what happens in this. You guys know this. Come on. Verse 6, so he came to Simon Peter and he said to him, Lord, do you wash my feet? Jesus answered and said to him, what I do, you do not realize now, but you will understand hereafter. Peter said to him, never shall you wash my feet. And Jesus answered, if I do not wash you, you have no part with me. You guys know this. Jesus approached Peter and Peter pre-salvation pre-baptism with the Holy Spirit, was encountered by, the, by, by, by Jesus, the Son of the living God, in, in, a, in, a, in, a, in, a, in an authentic community, an authentic environment, and all of a sudden, intimate vulnerability was right before Peter's eyes. Peter, all of a sudden, was scared to death because of the tactics of the devil. Peter was scared that he was about to be exposed. When Jesus walks in the room in any of our meetings, come on, brothers and sisters, When you come to church and you gather, when you gather in your small groups, when Jesus walks in the room, the very thing that many of us are afraid of is that we're going to be exposed. Peter himself was afraid of of being exposed. What would be exposed? His humanity, the nature of sin that still resided in his heart, his arrogance, his pride, possibly his ignorance. Jesus said, Peter, if you don't let me wash you, you'll have no part in my kingdom realm. He literally said, Peter, if you don't let me wash you by my blood and cleanse you by my spirit, you'll have no ability to partake or enjoy any part of my kingdom realm. Now, here's the issue. Jesus went on to tell his disciples that what I have just done to you, you begin to go and do now to others. Are you with me? Remember John 20, verse 23? Jesus, he breathed on his disciples. They they weren't believers yet. And he breathed on them, received the Holy Spirit. Everyone you forgive will be forgiven. But every sin that you retain or don't forgive, it won't be forgiven. Jesus immediately was trying to tell the body of Christ that we would actually become the rescue of God, that we would carry the rescue of God on this earth. Are you with me today? Are you with me this morning? Here's the reality, brothers and sisters. This relationship is not just with Jesus. First and foremost, yes, we must surrender our lives and submit it to Jesus. We must surrender our lives to We must allow His blood to be applied to wash away our sins. Secondly, we must allow the Holy Spirit to sanctify and purify our hearts. Because simply, Jesus said, Matthew 5, 8, Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will be the ones who see God. They will see God. We must allow the Spirit to sanctify and purify and empower us to become the rescue. So first of all, we must submit to Jesus. Secondly, listen to this. 
We must because the body of Christ is established with a government. And Jesus has raised up leaders in the body of Christ. Pastors, you're with me. Teachers, we must secondly submit to the authorities in the local churches. We must. We must. The first thing Jesus told me when he awakened me from hell was, Jay, I want you to submit yourself to the polity and the leadership of the church of the Nazarene, the very church that had wounded my family so deeply. That was, a, that was a battle for me for about 30 seconds, and then I remembered what hell was like, and I thought, oh my goodness, I'd rather have whatever you're saying, Jesus. And so I've determined to submit myself. I'm here in this church right now, submitted under the leadership of, of, of Andrew and Simone. Are you with me? The, 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 the board of this church. And then thirdly, and, we, and a lot of us, we, just, we take this for, for granted. We don't even mess with this one. Thirdly, it's very important. If you and I are going to experience the benefits of God's kingdom realm, it's not just about us having a relationship with him, but it's about us having a relationship with one another. It's all about us having a relationship with one another. We were, yeah, listen to this. I would rather stay home and confess my sins to him every day. That way none of you know. But the reality is he didn't create and design the body to function that way. There, no man is an island unto himself. Are you with me? Isolationism is a trick and a scheme of the devil to overcome us. You and I must stick together. You and I must submit ourselves not only to God first, not only to the leadership of our church, but also to one another. We must submit ourselves to one another. We must be willing to submit ourselves to one another, and I'll tell you why. Because the Bible tells us in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, Ephesians chapter 4, and other many other places, that all of the manifestations of the Spirit are released through the body of Christ into other members in the body of Christ for the common good of every person that's in our midst. If you and I actually believe that we carried the rescue of God, the reality is, brothers and sisters, at any moment God could choose to release that rescue. And that rescue in its totality is always forgiveness of sins. It's always cleansing. It's always deliverance, emotional healing and peace. And it's always physical healing. Jesus wants to release that through every person. Listen to this, brothers and sisters. Jesus never dreamed of a pulpit ministry. He never, the kingdom of God has never been about a pulpit ministry. It's always been about the body of Christ rising up or going low, however, whatever language you want to use, and releasing the power of God to minister to each one of us. We ought to be able to go to each other at any moment and pray and recognize and believe that God could actually release his supernatural power from one to another. James 5.16 says this, confess your sins to one another, that someone might pray for you. And that you might be healed. I want to submit to you, and I'm almost done. I want to submit to you that when the Apostle John wrote in 1 John, 2 John, and 3 John, no one born of God sins because the seed of God is in him. The spermata of God is inside every child of the living God. And none of us that have the spermata of God in us are... Apostle John was like, well, they don't even sin. They don't practice a lifestyle of sin. We don't do that. That's not who we are, right? Come on. So the Apostle John understood and knew that. James knew and understood that. And yet he said that you and I should still confess our sins to one another. I want to submit to you this morning that as you continue to journey together as a local body of Christ, that you begin submitting yourselves to one another more deeply, more intimately than you've ever known before because we're going to need it in these last days. You really need each other. I need you and you need me. We need each other in these last days. I want to submit to you that the things that we need to be 
confessing to one another are not practicing sins because that's not who we are. What we need to be confessing to one another are the schemes of the enemy that are still coming against our mind. The lies of the devil that are being spoken to us that says that we're no good, that we don't measure up, that, we don't, that you, you can't compare to this person or that person. The lies that says you'll never be able to achieve what the Holy Spirit says he wants to release in your life. And when you and I come together and we submit ourselves to one another and we confess these things... In an instant when we pray, in an instant when we confess, all of those schemes fall off our bodies just like that, just like that. They're gone. And every single day, you and I, as we gather together, we can practice, come on, releasing the rescue of God. So I'm done with that. Here's the question this morning. Here's the question this morning. Who in this room this morning needs to submit to God? You need to submit to Jesus. Come on. You, listen, I know this. As we travel the nation... We, we go to churches that are full, some that, and, and many that are not. But the, and, and one thing I've learned is we can never take for granted that everybody in the service is actually walking with Jesus. Here's what I hear from people who have been in the church for, their, for, for, for forever, 40 years, 50 years, and all of a sudden they're encountered by the real Jesus, the Messiah, and they will say out of their own mouth, oh my goodness, I have been awakened to the reality that Jesus Christ is still alive right now, speaking into my life and wants to walk with me moment by moment. Who in this room this morning, who in this room this morning needs to submit, number one, to God? Who needs to submit to God? Would you just come to the altar this morning? Would you just come to the altar this morning? Receive the rescue of God. He says, submit to Jesus, receive forgiveness of your sins, Submit to the Holy Spirit. Allow the Holy Spirit to sanctify and purify your hearts. It's a supernatural power of God released in an instant to make what was mixed completely pure. Hallelujah. You see, you and I can't even carry this rescue until our hearts are pure. We can't even carry it. I need saints to come and kneel behind those that are, that are kneeling here and pray. Believing believers to come and pray. Pray that God would... Would, would forgive them and, and sanctify and purify their hearts. Here's the second question. Here's the second question. Who in the church this morning, listen to this, I, want you to, I don't want you to, to miss out on this, who in the church this morning needs to submit to the local authorities, the local pastors? Who in the church has been wrestling with the pastors? Who's been wrestling with the vision that the pastor has over the church? And this morning, you just need to get off that high horse and you need to submit yourself to Jesus. Because when you do, then we can all become of one mind. We can become of one, one voice, one action. And when that happens, Jesus, through the Father and the Holy Spirit, prophesied all the way back in Genesis chapter 11 in the Tower of Babel. He said, they all speak the same language. Now nothing will be impossible for them. And that was pre-salvation, pre-baptism of the Holy Spirit. Are you with me? If, if, in, if nothing is impossible for them, oh my goodness, what more is possible for you and I today? being saved and filled with the Holy Spirit. Here's the last question this morning. If you need to submit to the, to the local body, I want you to come forward and pray. I want you to submit this morning. Tell the Lord, I give myself up, Jesus. I give myself up to follow the voice or the voices that you've raised up in this, in this local community of faith. Thirdly, here's the last question and we'll quit. Who in this place needs to Surrender pride and arrogance that keeps you from being able to submit to your brother and sister. 
A couple of years ago, I was doing a revival in a church, and I was praying for healing, and a six-year-old boy came, and he knelt at the altar, and I knelt on the other side of the altar, and I bent down and laid my hands on him, and I prayed, and Jesus touched this little boy in such a miraculous way. And when I was done, I was ready to go to the next person, and the little boy stopped me. He says, Pastor, hold up a minute. He says, what do you need Jesus to do in your life? And for a minute, he kind of caught me off guard, and I was thinking about this reality that, that Jesus can speak through the mouth of babes. And I, kneel, I, I remained kneeling, kneeling down, and I let that little boy reach across the altar and put his hands on my shoulder. And that little boy commenced to pray in a prayer that I knew came from the heart of God. And I was refreshed and revived. Hallelujah. Listen, you as a body of Christ carry what your brother and sister need. You carry it. And if you won't hog it up for yourself and you're willing to submit yourself to one another, then you can begin to release that. Jesus promised in John chapter 15, verses 9 through 11, that if we would remain obedient to his commandments, we would remain moment by moment in his love. And in his perfect love, there is no fear. Are you with me? Come on. And our joy would remain full. There's nothing like giving away the rescue of God to walk in the fullness of joy. Hallelujah. So if you need to come this morning, you need to come this morning and break off pride and arrogance that keeps you from submitting yourself to a small group or to a Sunday school class or to a Wednesday prayer meeting or whatever else is going on in this church. I'm telling you this morning, the strength and the power and the weapons of God are released for our benefit if we'll submit to the one who has all authority. Come forward and pray if you, if you need to pray at this time. Father, I thank you this morning for this time. Jesus, I thank you for touching hearts in this room. Jesus, I thank you for the power of your word. God, we're just sick. We're sick, God. We're sick of religion. We're sick of of acting, God. We We want you. God, we want the power of God in our lives. We want to see what you can do. We're tired of seeing what we can do, God. We want to see what you want to do, Jesus. And so, Lord, we thank you this morning for releasing God. I pray, Lord, right now, just like lightning bolts from heaven, that you would, Lord, you would release your power on every heart in this room, God, today. Every heart that's, that's humble, every heart that's broken, every heart that needs a touch from you. I pray this morning that you would release your supernatural power, Lord, to forgive, to cleanse, to deliver, and to heal. Jesus, this morning, we just thank you for what you're doing. We submit to you, Lord. We submit to you, Holy Spirit. We surrender again this morning. We submit to our pastors. God, we submit to the leadership of this local church. We submit to our district superintendents. We submit to the polity of the Church of the Nazarene. Jesus, this morning, we submit to one another. Lord, this morning, right now, God, we want to go low. We want to go low. We want to go lower and slower. We want to get under the carpet if we can, Jesus. I want to be able to believe, God, I want to be able to believe that at any church I can allow a four or five-year-old child to pray over me and release the rescue of God. So I pray that you'd raise up children in this church. You'd raise up sons and daughters, God, who are willing to carry your rescue, Jesus. Lord, we need your help. We need your help, God. We receive it this morning, Lord. We thank you for meeting with us. We thank you for healing hearts, healing minds, healing bodies this morning. We worship you, King Jesus. You are so mighty. You are so mighty, Jesus.
Thank you for this glorious moment.